And for our scripture reading today, we will turn to the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. We'll read the entire chapter and we'll focus on verse 7 for the sermon this afternoon. Proverbs chapter 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. A stone is heavy, and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel, and anger a torment, a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Friends are the wounds, or faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Ointment and perfume delight a heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious women are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The refining pot is for silver and a furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of the field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, food for your household, and the nourishment of your maidservants. This far the reading of God's holy word. Your congregation, our text and focus for this afternoon will be verse 7 out of Proverbs 27. 
And I'll read that again for us. Proverbs 27 and verse 7. Where it says, A satisfied soul, or a full soul, loathes the honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And as we heard this morning, the two disciples walking to their homes in Emmaus were hungry. They, their souls were not satisfied as they walked down that road. They, they were not full, but there was a hunger. And you say, well, for what? Well, for Christ. They needed to know what happened to him. And as Jesus talked, as they walked along, it says their hearts burned within them. There, there was a yearning, there was a hungering to know more about this Christ. And so they hung on to every word that the Lord Jesus spoke to them. It, it was sweet to their ears, and it was food to their souls. In Psalm 19, verse 10, it says that the word of God is more to be desired than gold, sweeter also than honey and a honeycomb. There is a sweetness to the word of God. And so when they arrived at their homes, these disciples, they even wanted Jesus to come into their home so they could talk longer and hear more. That word of God was sweeter than honey to, to their hungry souls because it, it revealed Christ to them. That's what they were looking for. That's who they were talking about. And that's who was being revealed to them as the Lord Jesus was explaining the scriptures to them. So even after witnessing the bitter death on the cross of their master, now they were tasting the sweetness of that gospel, of that message as it was explained to them. And so this afternoon, our, our theme then is the bitter sweet gospel for a hungry soul. The bitter sweet gospel for a hungry soul. And our first thought out of this verse is that a full soul has no hunger for the gospel. A full soul has no hunger for the gospel. The text says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. You notice in, in the scriptures as we read this morning, it was the disciples who were asking about God. It was the disciples who talked about what happened and who wanted to know more. There was an unexplainable void in their hearts. You don't read of the scribes and the Pharisees asking about it and inquiring about it. They even told Judas to, to leave them alone. They, had, they couldn't help him with his guilt. But they had no such questions. There was no desire if anything, there was a relief that Jesus was now out of the way. The satisfied soul, the full soul, loathes the honeycomb. If you think, if your friend invites you over to their house and they, they feed you with a large steak dinner with, with so many fixings that you eat and you are, you're full, and then suddenly they come walking to, to the table with a huge dessert, and you look at it and you say, well, that looks good, but... It looks so sweet, but it's 
I'm stuffed. I'm full. There's, there's no more room. I, I don't want any. You, you loathe the thought of even eating another bite because you're so full. But this word loathing also has a, a greater meaning than that. Not just that you're full and, and, and don't want anymore, but it has a sense of rejection. Because in, in some countries, if you, if you reject the food that they offer you, it's also seen as as, re, as rejecting them, as trampling it under their feet, rejecting the people and their hospitality and the fellowship that they're offering. Or you can think of what I've seen happen to this young man in school when he had finally built up the courage on Valentine's Day to give a little heart candy to a girl, only to see her drop it on the floor and crush it under her foot. She trampled it underfoot. She rejected not just the candy, She rejected him. And so the full soul loathed the honeycomb. Here referring to the gospel. This means you trample underfoot the sweet offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you reject Christ himself. Christ who came into this world and he offered up himself a sacrifice to him for sinners. He who came to his own, but his own received him not. They trampled him underfoot and they they hung him on the cross. He is the one who said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But they trampled him underfoot. They mocked him. They accused him of breaking the laws and of blaspheming. And they continued in their own religious works. They wanted nothing of what Christ had to offer. Pharisees who were so full of their own pride and their own self-righteousness that they loathed Christ in his meekness and in, in his love for the poor. So full of envy and hatred that they nailed him to the cross out of spite. And yet in his gospel he says, come to the wedding feast where you can receive what I have to give. But then they come with all their excuses and as the one parable says, I bought some land, I have to go check it out. Or I bought some cattle, I have to go test them. I can't come. We can be so full of the abundance of this life that we loathe even the sweetness of the gospel which promises eternal life because we have no appetite for it. No hunger for Christ in the gospel. No concern for our soul. No need for a new heart. God has given us everything that we need for our life. Everything we need for our health. To live day by day. And and we, we fill ourselves up so much with this first course in the world that we have no room left for the God who gives it. It's like the children who, whose house and whose yard is so full of toys and yet they're not satisfied with it. While, while children in, in poor countries play happily with that little homemade soccer ball, the only one in the whole village. An increase in the material things of this world often fills us up to the point that we have no room for Christ. Even if, even in itself, they're not bad things. They're good things. They're received from God. But they, re, they fill us up to the point where we have no more room or time. Rather than satisfy us, it even brings us worries and anxiety, troubles or fear of loss or theft or, or, or rotting away. 
But this is also how it was in the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3. They said, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. They thought they had everything. They loathed the honeycomb of the gospel. They loathed the word of God. They were filled with their own works and with their pride and their self-sufficiency. And yet God says they are dead. Professing to be religious, attending church, reading the Bible out of custom or duty. But there's no hunger for Christ and for the plain truth of the gospel for their heart. They've become cold and bored with the message of, of Christ. Yes, they might read their Bibles, but do they have time to spend in the meditation of what they read? Do they like chew on it like you would a honeycomb to suck all the sweetness out of it for your soul? Remember what Israel did when the Lord fed him with manna from heaven? The heavens bread, angels food that has sweetness to its taste. And yet after a while they began to loathe it and they said, we want the meat that we had in, in, in Egypt. often instead of cherishing what God gives us, we, we, we loathe it and repulse it at the, t- at the thought of spending time in our Bibles to see what, that we can seek Jesus for our hearts. No appetite to sit under the preaching or another bite of this might make us vomit. Why do we find our hearts so reluctant? To pick up God's Word and just be able to sit down with it in quiet meditation and prayer. When everything seems to pull us away in every single direction, including our own hearts and desires. So full of this world. So full of self. So full of our own works. We can be busy doing a lot of things for church. But no room for a crucified Christ. Where do we reject and trample him underfoot because we have no true appetite, no room for Christ, no time for him, full enough with what this life offers. So many more other exciting things that we can do with our time. What good then is a table full of food and full of dessert if nobody eats it and it goes to waste? What good is our churches full of God's Word and our homes full of God's Word if it goes to waste? Are we then really any better off than those nations who, are, who have never heard the gospel, who have never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have never tasted the sweetness of the gospel? Do we eat any more than they do if we reject it and if we trample it? How is it then in our hearts today? What are we full of? The Lord gives us every good gift in this world. But do we leave any room for Him? But that's why the Lord has to come, doesn't He? To empty us and to make that room for Himself. Like Naomi she said she left full out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of Israel to Moab. And yet she came back. She said, I have come back empty. Her husband passed away. Her two sons passed away. And she had nothing left. Like Job, 
who had so much, but the Lord emptied him out. But why did the Lord empty them out? It's so he could fill them. It's so he could provide for them. Naomi and Ruth, Ruth came along with her. She met Boaz, and from Boaz came the, the great uh, descendants of David, and from him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, the blessings. Job learned to see and to know God. He says, I have heard of you at the ear, but now mine eye has seen you. After his afflictions, during his afflictions, God came and revealed himself more to Job so that he could say, Now my eyes have seen you. And the Lord blessed Job greatly after that. See, by nature we are full, full of ourselves, full of everything we can fill ourselves up. And if there's a need, we even try to fill it ourselves. But God, he creates that hunger in our souls by emptying us of everything that stands in the way. That brings us then to the second thought. The first thought was the full soul loathes even the sweetness of the gospel, but the hungry soul desires even the bitter. The second thought here, the hungry soul desires even the bitter. These two disciples that we heard of this morning, they could not return to whatever life they had before. Yes, they would have to go back to work and their families, but what I mean is when the Lord begins a work in our hearts, we cannot just return to our former ways of life anymore. There's a new hunger. There's a, a new desire. The world with all its elaborate feasts and pleasures cannot satisfy that hunger anymore. To the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. If you think of that teenage boy he, who has a job, he's been gone all Saturday and he comes home and he says, I forgot my lunch and he goes through the kitchen and the fridge looking for anything and everything to, to eat because he's so hungry. Your disciples of Jesus could not, could not see how they could move forward now because they were talking about what happened. They needed to find answers to these questions. Who is this Jesus? What has he done? Where is he now? There is a hunger. And even though Talking about the death and all these events was bitter. What they were experiencing, they, they, they needed to know more. Their ears were fixed on every word of that scripture as Jesus was explaining it to them. They heard of his suffering. They heard of his humiliation. They heard of his death. They heard how he died, the just one for the, the unjust. How Christ was sent as that Lamb of God who would take the place of sinners there they had to learn and there they had to hear that it was their sin and their guilt that was laid upon christ and certainly they understood and saw that it was the rulers and it was the it was the, the people and the romans who had crucified christ but it was because of our sin that christ needed to be crucified but even with all this there's that hunger to know him and again if you think of these disciples or even for yourself there's a hunger then for his presence a hunger for his presence they love the lord jesus and they wanted to be in his presence again isn't that what what you miss when when you lose a loved one 
You, you, you want to be in His presence again. Adam lived in the presence of God and, and communed with Him daily. We were created to live in that communion with God. The disciples learned, about this, learned that this communion here is ultimately spiritual with the Lord. And it's a communion that we can have with God even today, the same fellowship that these disciples knew. But even while we're on this earth, it's always a broken fellowship. There's always a distance between us and God. And that's why there's a hunger for God's presence, for a greater measure of His presence, a desire to know Him more. And that's what these disciples experienced as their hearts were burning with love. But there's also a hunger for His righteousness. A hunger for the righteousness of Christ. A hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God. Why? Because it's our sins that cause that separation between us and God. And it's our unrighteousness, our sins that grieve us. You desire to be freed from that sin, to be forever in His presence. No sin can dwell in the presence of God. And so this can only be possible through the righteousness of God that we must be covered with. So you hunger for His righteousness. But there's also a hunger for that eternal rest, that rest in heaven. Here we, here we grow tired and weary of fighting against sin. Weary of this battle against the constant assault of the world and of Satan and of even our own sinful heart that so often betrays us. We grow weary of the physical battle that we face. Especially as we grow older. Sickness, pain, suffering, and grief. You hunger for the rest in heaven where all that is said to be taken away. There where it will be safety and fullness of joy. There to be safe in the presence of the Lord forever where Satan can never assault anymore. Where our own sins can never rise up anymore. Where no thieves can break through and steal anymore. There's also a hunger for the grace and for the strength of God through His Holy Spirit. Strength to press on for another day. Power to overcome sin for another day. For the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us from falling. To preserve us to eternal life. Isn't that what God promises His people? The perseverance of the saints through the preservation of His Spirit. Strength to persevere and endure when you feel like you can't go on for another day. So tired and so lonely in the weight of our own sins and our shortcomings and our own unbelief and, and our own deadness and our own fruitlessness weighing us down. And so your prayer becomes to abide in Christ, that He would abide in you, so that united to Him, the vine, you can, you can be fruitful because He is the source of life and grace. You hunger also for that assurance of faith. And that fullness of joy. See, these disciples this morning, they, they knew the Lord before, but they never yet had learned that fullness of joy because of their lack of understanding at that time. 
And so you hunger also for your own heart to know that full assurance of faith and that fullness of joy in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in this world, whether, whether prosperity or adversity. You hunger for the word where he reveals himself to your soul as your God, as your redeemer, as your savior. That with Job you can say, I know that my redeemer lives. Believer, you have lost the appetite for this world. Or in any sense, it's being taken away little by little by little. God has been emptying you of your former loves. And maybe you've tried to go back and stand in those places where you've, where you've found all your pleasure and entertainment before. But as you look around, you see nothing but emptiness and sin. You hunger after God. And you say, is there any hope for my soul? Is there any life for me? God empties us of this world to make room for himself. He cuts loose those attachments that we are tied to, that we don't want to let go and that we can't let go of our own selves. But he he shows us how empty this world really is and it has no lasting joy. So he empties of us of that through sickness and through, through loss like Job or through afflictions or whatever it may be. But to such hungry souls, even the bitter is made sweet because there's a new desire, a new hunger that only God can fill. A new desire for the things that you once despised. Yes, there's even the bitterness of sin that you, the more you read God's word, the more bitter it seems to taste as it shows you more and more of your sins, that points out your iniquities and your shortcomings. But you keep reading it. You can't put it down even though it hurts you. And because, even though it's bitter and it shows you your sins, you need to keep reading it because you know that it's the truth. But this bitterness becomes sweet to your taste when you find Christ and you hear him in his word as he says, go now and sin no more. When he says there's forgiveness even for the greatest, for the chief of sinners. When you hear that Christ came to call sinners to repentance and not the righteous. There's bitterness when you are afflicted by sickness or trials. Even when you see others prosper and And you are full of troubles. But there's sweetness when God's word shows you the end of the wicked and and the hope of the righteous. Psalm 69 verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. A few verses later, he says, It has been good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. It leads you back to God and his word empties you so he can fill you, cuts you loose from the world so he can draw near to God. There's also bitterness in the correction that the Lord brings in your life when he chastises you for your sins. But your sweetness, when you read that his word says that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Though it's bitter for a short while, yet afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness, Hebrews 12 says, to those who have been trained by it. 
There's bitterness when you have to suffer persecution in this world for Christ's sake. Revelation 10 speaks how, shows how John was told to eat that scroll. It was bitter in his belly, even though it was sweet in his mouth. Bitter because it condemned of sin. Bitter because it calls us out of this world to live separate and holy. Calls us out from old friends that would draw us away from God. It, it calls us out of relationships with unbelievers that would draw us away from God. It produces animosity from the world that comes against the church. But it is sweet to the soul as it leads you into paths of righteousness. Sweetness. When Christ says, I am with you, even in the midst of it all. Bitterness. As we digest this word and as it humbles us, as it exposes our corruption of our heart and our thoughts and our weaknesses. But it is sweet because Christ is revealed to our soul. It is sweet as you taste the forgiveness of your sins, as you taste communion with, with the living, risen Savior. Sweetness as you, as you have communion and fellowship with, with the saints, like these two disciples, even though they did not fully understand what was happening yet. Yet they could talk about it with each other. They could relate with each other's hearts. Sweetness as your heart is filled with the fullness of God's mercy and goodness to you, to even someone like you and me. Sweetness even as we face the bitter reality of death as we see it coming. Sweetness when we know that their heart is filled with hope of being delivered then from sin. And then to see Christ face to face. And to see Him who your soul loves in all His perfection to be made like Him forever because you will see Him as He is. Sweetness then as Christ opens up the Scripture to you showing how He came to die this bitter death on the cross to take your place so that your sins can be taken away as far as the east is from the west. Sweetness as you can see that you can be clothed with the righteousness of Christ so that you can stand there before the presence of His Father in heaven. Sweetness even as God the Father adopts you into His family. And says, you are my son, my daughter, and I am your God. Do we see how vital this hunger is? Because without this hunger, there's no appetite for this bitter, sweet gospel. Just like when our bodies are alive, we need to eat multiple times in a day, regular meals every day. We cannot just go through, through life with a few crumbs a day. And yet somehow we think our souls can survive off of a crumb, a half a verse in the morning and nothing else. If your soul is alive in Christ, you need regular food of God's Word, the bread of life. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus said in Luke 1, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because they shall be filled. But if there's no hunger, 
the full, the rich, they'll be sent empty away. If there's no hunger, do you then dare say there's any life? If you do not hunger after Christ, but loathe His Word now, if you trample underfoot this grace and this mercy of God in Christ Jesus, He says you'll be sent away empty, without mercy, on the last day. If there's no desire to know Christ now, then there's no reason for you to live with Him forever. A marriage where there's no love ends in divorce because they can't stand to be with each other. They loathe each other's presence. And if you have no desire to be with Christ now, no spiritual hunger to know Him and to spend time learning to know Him in His Word, even if such a person could go to heaven, they could not stand to live there. Because there you will see a Christ who you never loved. You'll see a peace and a unity that, that you never desired in this world. You'll see all the saints who you hated in this world. But then Christ will have to cast them out forever in hell. And there in hell there will be a hunger that will never be satisfied. There you will hunger and crave for the pleasures of the flesh and never be satisfied because you can never have it. It will all be bitter. Then even the memories of the sweetness that you had in this world will be bitter because you cannot reach it anymore. But oh, to those who are hungry now, even the bitter things become sweet. Christ is the sweetness of the gospel. And He alone can comfort that sad, your sad soul. He alone can heal your broken hearts. He alone can give, give the medicine for a sin-sick soul. He alone can give life from the dead. And as we heard this morning, He comes to walk with the hungering souls, to open up that scripture to your soul. To show you what He is for your soul. How is it with our hearts? We find ourselves so full of this world. So full of self. Empty our hearts. Empty our minds from all the passing attractions of this world. Yes, they might taste sweet for a moment. But they have no spiritual nourishment. They're like a few peanuts through the day, but not a meal. And they leave a bitter aftertaste. But we must seek the, word, the Lord in His Word now. We must pray for the enlightening work of His Holy Spirit to reveal this Christ to our hearts, for our soul. And if you dare, ask God to empty you if you can't find to do it yourself. So that he can fill you. I don't know if I dare ask that. Because I know I don't want to go through what Job went. Or others. But the Lord knows what's best for each one. But do ask the Lord to fill your heart. To teach him to know you. That you may taste the sweetness of the gospel. Even if it comes through a bitter means. For the hungry soul, 
even the bitterest sweet. But those hungry souls will be filled now and forever. Amen.